What's up, guys? It's Luke. I hope you get a lot out of this awesome message. But tonight, um, we are going to dive into Psalm 63. Uh, so go ahead and grab a Bible. If you want to run down and grab a Bible right here, you can, or um, open to your Bible app. You can also do that. Um, let's limit the B-reels during the message, because I do see you every time, and you know who you're, I'm talking to, okay? So um, we're going to get into it, but uh, I'm going to pray one more time. And uh, we'll dive in. Father, thank you for this night. Lord, would we not simply be converts um, or nominal Christians tonight, but would we be disciples? Uh, Would we learn how to seek you? We're here for you. Lord, we want to learn you. God, we want to create margin for you more in our lives. Lord, we push out the clutter we, we ruthlessly eliminate clutter and excess from our lives, Lord, because any room in our lives, we want it filled with you. In fact, Lord, would you completely clear out anything in our lives that doesn't point to Jesus? Teach us the way. Lord, would we follow you as closely as the, disciple, the disciples followed you in person, Lord, we are not content to just do basic Christianity, but we want to go deeper. Like it says in Hebrews, Lord, we want to to graduate from, from milk, Lord, to solid food spiritually. Lead us and teach us and grow us. Amen. Um, so go to Psalm 63, um, and, uh, we are going to tackle the first two verses. I think that's the least amount of scripture I've ever had in a message before. We have two verses tonight that we're talking about. Um, yeah, the verse, literally just the first two verses. Um, we're just going to dive straight in. I don't have any funny stories or anything. We're just going to go right into scripture. Is that okay? Awesome. David says this, Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are are my God. This is a really powerful statement, okay? So like I said on Sunday, if you were here, we are gonna go so deep into Psalm 63 this year and especially in these first couple months. Um, I really believe that Psalm 63 is uh, something that God is highlighting for the Rock youth right now. I want you to memorize these first eight verses. Um, I already started working on it. I want, I want even in this month, right Psalm 63, uh, one through eight, out on a post-it note or on a piece of paper and keep it with you wherever you go. Um, Put it on your Bible so it's the first verse that you see. Uh, Not just because I believe that it's for the Rock Youth, but it's you are part of the Rock Youth and God wants to bring you into what he's speaking and what he's doing here. So as somebody who is uh, part of this family, um, it's like if you're parents are planning a really great trip. They're planning that trip for the family, and you're in the family, so it's for you. Does that make sense? So this vision and what God is speaking right now and what he's leading us in um, is for you individually, even if, I mean, you all come here all the time, but let's just say there was a new person. This is for them as well. Oh God, you are my God. David is making a powerful statement here. Context of Psalm 63 is that David is on the run and he is in the wilderness. Um, 
he is hiding. He's probably scared. He's probably fearful. He's probably anxious because there are people trying to destroy him, destroy his reputation, destroy his kingdom, uh, or rather take over his kingdom. And he is probably by himself, maybe with some other dudes that are like his sidekicks, his, his, his minions, his main dudes, but maybe he was alone. And I certainly get the sense from this, this psalm that he felt alone. And he's crying out to God, and his cry to God is not, oh God, make this go away. <laughs> oh God, this is not fun right now. Oh God, I'm scared. Oh God, I don't like the forest because I'm not a hiker or a nature person. I don't like camping. That's not what he says. He says, oh God, you are my God. In the desert, in this wasteland, in this mess, you're my God. Imagine the fear attached to being on the run, alone in the wilderness, and David falls back on this truth. God, you are my God. He doesn't immediately vent to God how frustrating it is to be lonely and isolated and fearful. He doesn't immediately go to complaining. He doesn't, he doesn't even go to gratitude. You know, the, like there's other scripture where it's enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. No, he literally makes this crazy, profound, important statement and it's four words. You are my God. And if we're taking a note, if we're taking a lesson of Psalm 63 at all, it's that we need to recognize his Godship in our lives. We need to recognize that he is not just a friend to us. He's not just, he's, I shouldn't even say, he is not genie in the sky who gives me things that I want like a, like a coin slot machine. Okay, like he, that's not the God that we serve. Oh God, you are my God. And, and who is God? He's, he's love. He's our helper. He's justice. He's just. He's kind. All of the characteristics of God, David is summarizing. He's saying, you are my God. It's humility. If we know anything from Scripture, it's that God loves humility. Who are we to come before God in pride? <laughs> Who are we to come before God and say, God, look at how great I did. Look at how much I have going for me. Look at how much I'm serving. Look at how much I'm raising my hands. Look at how much I'm doing all this awesome stuff. God is not concerned about any of that. I think it brings him joy, but first and foremost, he's asking us, am I your God? Am I your God? Not just the entity far above things that you think about and sometimes ask things for, but am I God to you? Like so above and removed, but also close and present. Am I God in your life? And we need to be believers and followers of Jesus that in the wilderness or in provision, in chaos or in peace, in anxiety, or in calmness, oh God, you are my God. Is that a truth that you can fall back on? Is that a truth that you can actually fall back on when the rubber meets the road? When crap hits the fan, 
can you fall back on, yeah, but he's my God. He's my God. He's my defender, and he cares for me. There's a powerful statement that David is making right out the gate. Recognizing the Godship of God. And then the second part of verse one, he says, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I looked up the definition of earnestly. We're all high schoolers. We are smart. We know what earnestly means probably, but earnestly means with sincere and intense conviction or seriously. David is saying, I seriously seek you. I intentionally seek you. I sincerely seek you. With intense conviction, I seek you. And you may read that verse and not be able to relate to that because maybe right now you don't feel like you're seeking God earnestly. In fact, if we described our pursuit of God in one way, we probably wouldn't use the word earnestly. Usually we'd use a word like occasionally, passively, or situationally. We probably wouldn't use the word earnestly, with intense conviction and passion and sincerity. And that is where I want you, and I want you to write this down as a prayer for yourself, and it is, this prayer will change your relationship with God, I promise you, because it's, an, it's a prayer that God loves to answer. God, I want you to bless me with the gift of hunger for you. God, I want you to give me the gift of hunger for you. I want to want you. I want to desire you. If you don't have a desire for God right now, simply ask him for one. Ask him for a desire for him. I guarantee you he answers that prayer. And our flesh gets in the way of that and the enemy gets in the way of that and life gets in the way of that, but it doesn't mean he's not answering it. God, give me the desire for you. And it goes hand in hand with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives with sanctification. And he leads us and he teaches us and he guides us and all the great stuff. But we say, God, I want the gift of hunger even right now. Father, would you give these students tonight the gift of a insatiable hunger for you, an unquenchable hunger for you, where they get filled up by you and the next day they wake up wanting more. Destroy the foundations that we have built in our wells, in the wells of our hearts, and deepen us, God. We want the gift of hunger for you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I love the choice of words here because he says, my soul and my flesh. In other words, he's saying, every single part of me that you can see and that you can't see seeks after God. Do the decisions that you make with your body demonstrate that you seek earnestly? And... Do the decisions and the thoughts and the things that permeate in your spirit and in your heart, do those point to an earnest seeking? Does every part of you, this is a hard question. 
And I'm wrestling with this right now. God, why is it that I preach certain things and I pray certain things, but I still struggle on my own? It's because there are areas of my life that, and I will, this will continue until the day I die and go meet Jesus face to face. It's life, and it's life with Jesus. But we gotta be in a modem all the time of saying, I yield to you. I surrender to you, God. I surrender to you. This habit that I have, this temptation that I have, this addiction that I have, this relationship that I'm in, whatever the case may be, I yield it to you. David says, I earnestly pursue you. I long for you. Do you long for God? Do you look forward to spending time with God? And if the answer is no, then it goes back to the prayer that we just prayed. God, give me a desire. Give me a longing for you. And he will begin to answer that. He'll call you into the deeper places. It's a partnership. He'll put that desire in you. In fact, I was just having a conversation about God putting a desire in somebody and then them answering the call. It's a both and. Do you long for him? And I think these first two parts of verse one, they go together. Because you are my God, earnestly I will seek you. When we understand the Godship, the Lordship, the sovereignty of God in our lives, that he rules and he reigns. He's over every decision I make. He's over every action I take. He's over every thought that I think. When I get that, I begin the process of earnestly seeking him. Because I'm not a good friend sometimes. I'm a pretty good friend for the most part. But sometimes I'm not good. Sometimes I forget... uh, A lot of times I forget to text people back and my leaders said amen, okay? I forget to text people back. I'm, and what I do, like I check my phone and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get back to that person in like 20 minutes when I finish doing whatever I'm gonna do. And then it's two weeks later. Sorry, Vance. Like (laughs) I literally did this to Vance the other day. So, and that's what happens. I literally forget, like sometimes I'm a bad friend. But God is so much more than a friend to me. So, but why do I treat my relationship with God the way that I treat other friendships? I'll text him when I think about it. Oops, forgot to text back. Hey, let's hang soon, but we don't hang. You see what I mean? We need to understand that when I get that God is God, I want to earnestly seek him. Moving on to verse two. He says, I have, seen your, in you, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. I love this verse. I love this verse. He's saying, he's reminding himself of his moments with God. In the wilderness, he's reminding himself of his time spent in the temple. In the presence of God. Now, thank God we are under the new covenant. It's not about going to the temple and we have to bring our sacrifices and bring our offerings and then we pray and then we, you know, hope and then the priest goes and prays for us and prays for all the, the, the nation. And the, Thank God we're on the other side of the cross and we can enter his, 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 the throne room of God with boldness. Thank God for that. It's awesome. 
But David here is saying, I'm in the wilderness and I need something to encourage me. And he starts going, I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and your glory. My question to you is, do you have moments with God to draw back on when you're in the wilderness? Do you have moments with God where when life throws a wrench, when things don't work out, when you are stabbed in the back, when you're broken up with, when you're abused, when you're mistreated, in those moments, do you have moments that you can say, yeah, but God, you were faithful then. I know you're going to be faithful now. You showed up then. I know you're going to show up now. I, I, felt the, the, I felt your tangible presence then. Your presence is with me now. I'll share three quick stories. Um, when I was, I mean, I, I've been doing camps my whole life, but I remember this one, uh, I, I became a Christian, I would say really became a Christian when I was 13, grew up in church. But when I was 13 at um, a camp, I gave my life to Jesus. And the next year I was in eighth grade, same camp, uh, right after summer, uh, my whole school, we would go to this camp together and we're, we're in this chapel, the band's great and worship's powerful, the church slash school that I was at at the time wasn't what we would consider like charismatic, hands raised was foreign, much less what I'm about to say, but we were in worship and I felt like God was saying, I want you to go to the stage, the front of the stage on the altar and I want you to get on your knees and raise your hands in worship. And I'm 14, I'm younger than most of you at this time. And I felt this like burning in my spirit of like, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. I knew I, I, I wouldn't, but it was this like, wow, I need to do this right now. God is calling me, beckoning me, drawing me closer to him. And thank God I answered the call and I did. And it was this marking moment of obedience with me. And when I'm struggling to worship, when I'm struggling to engage, it's a moment in time that I can draw back to and be like, you know what, God, I was obedient and faithful then. And you showed up when I was 14 years old and I was insecure and I had no friends, but that was a moment of surrender for me. I know that you are still worthy of worship. You're still worthy of me coming before you. You're still worthy of me dropping to my knees. You're still worthy of me lifting my hands. Amen. Amen. Second story. Um, a lot of times as a communicator and a pastor, teacher, I doubt myself a lot. I doubt my calling. I doubt my speaking abilities. I doubt my messages. I doubt all of that. Like I get off this platform and a lot of times I'm at home and I'm like, did they even care? Did they, those questions just plague my mind. And there's a memory that God brings me back to a moment when I was 14, same age, I got home from camp and I was just on fire for the Lord. Like I was the annoying kid that was just like in people's face all the time, evangelizing, calling relatives, like poorly communicating the gospel, by the way. Just absolutely like, you know, God's real and he wants to like have a relationship with you. Do you want that? They're like, bro, we haven't talked in five years. Like that kind of stuff. But uh, I remember I'm sitting in my room. It's this rainy day. And I felt I, at the time, did not want to be a pastor. I had no intentions of ever speaking, preaching, anything like that. But I felt like God was saying, I want you to pull your journal, and I want you to write a message. And I sat in my room on my bed with my journal, and I started just writing. And I was like, why am I even doing this? Why am I even writing this sermon? Well, three or four years later, when it came time for me to preach my first message, that was the message that I preached. It was a message that I wrote when I was 14. 
And when I'm doubting my calling, when I'm doubting the assignment that God's given me, but I'm doubting that he's put his voice in me to, care, to host the presence of God, to communicate the gospel, I draw back to this moment when I was 14. Last story. Um, I've talked about me and my sister uh, did not get, my younger sister did not get along at all when we were growing up. We fought all the time. Any other siblings fight with your siblings all the time? Yeah, we, I mean, we had interventions as a family and I am not joking. It would be like me and Lauren would walk in the room and my dad and my older sister and my mom would be like sitting in a half circle. They'd be like, take a seat guys. <laughs> and we would literally have a conversation of like, guys, we are concerned. You will not stop fighting. This is bad. Your brother and sister, you love each other. We're like, well, we get it. So anyways, we just kept fighting, and I was probably 15 or 16 around this time, and my church um, had a Saturday night service, and I'll never forget me and Lauren. My mom, my dad, and my sister were all on the worship team, and they were all on stage, and me and Lauren were sitting next to each other, um, and it came time to take communion. We're sitting there, and I felt like God was saying, Aaron, I want you to turn next to you. I want you to pray over your sister and take communion together. And I was like, really? Her? <laughs> like, my, my, my mortal enemy? Are you serious, God? And it was this moment of, okay, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just going to be faithful, and I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. And it was this moment of unity between me and my sister. We're crying together, taking communion, and it established this, like, crazy moment of unity. And it began this, this new process of getting along and actually developing, like, a really close friendship and love with my sister. Why do I talk about that? And I'm going to call the worship team forward. Talk about that because... We need moments with God that we can draw back on. And maybe you have some. David here in the wilderness is saying, I remember you in the sanctuary. I remember those moments that we had. I remember the worship. Back then when David was king, he served as a priest. He was literally this, this foreshadowing of what Christ would be, the priest king. And David, would literally, he instituted 24-7 worship to go on in Israel. He was an absolute legend. Why? Because he had a passion for God. God, you're my God. I earnestly seek you and I remember you. I remember the moments that I've had with you. So maybe tonight you feel kind of dry. Maybe tonight you feel kind of disheartened. Maybe not. Maybe you feel great and you're like, I'm just happy to be here. It's great. It's awesome. Good message. Hopefully the worship. Awesome. That's great. But for any of you that are like, I don't really know if I want to continue doing this God thing. I don't know if I have it in me anymore. I don't know if I want to keep showing up. I don't know if I want to even look at my Bible anymore. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. I even tried to fast. God, I've done all this stuff and I feel like it's leading to nothing. Maybe tonight what you need to do is begin to reflect back on moments that you've had with him. Maybe it was at camp this last summer. Maybe it was a, a moment when you prayed with somebody or somebody came over to you just randomly and prayed over you. A moment where you felt like God was so real. And I wrote this and I want to say it, that, that moments with God are like ammunition to fight despair in the wilderness. Our moments with God are like ammunition to fight despair in the wilderness. So begin to reflect. Maybe you wouldn't say that, you're, that your pursuit of God isn't earnest. Change that. 
And I'm not just saying do better, try harder. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the same God that came and died for you is the same God that sent his spirit interwoven with yours that leads you to himself. So yield. We're gonna sing a song that we've, we've sung maybe once or twice before. It's pretty simple. But it's this desire of God, I want to know you. I genuinely in my soul, in my spirit, desire to know Jesus. Not just know him as my savior, but know him as my Lord, as my friend, as my teacher, as my convictor, as my sanctifier, as my healer, as my sustainer, as my comforter, as my advocate. I want to know you, God. I want to know you more than I know you now. So as we close in worship and then go to small groups, let's not let another moment pass us by. Because I know every single one of you, you're friends of mine. And what friends want for friends, what believers want for their friends, not even talking about pastor to student, I'm talking about what friends want for friends, is I want you to be so in love with God. God, would these students burn for you? Deposit in us, Lord, an insatiable hunger for you where you fill us up and we wake up starving the next day, anxious and excited to get with you again. Holy Spirit, we ask you for the blessing of hunger for you. Make that your prayer right now. God, make me want you more. Don't let your flesh get in the way in this moment. Don't let your thoughts, don't let doubts get in the way in this moment. Let your spirit talk to God and say, I want to want you more. I want to want you more. I yield to you. I lay down my soul and my heart and my flesh, my desires, my ambitions. I surrender it to you. I want to want you more. That was such a great message. If you are interested in connecting with us, please check out our website at theroxyacom slash youth or text TheRockYouthMS or TheRockYouthHS to 33222 for texting updates on everything we have going on here at The Rock Youth or follow us on Instagram at TheRockChurchYTH. We'll see you guys next time.